The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report, the show that puts the world's leading scientists, doctors, politicians and expert commentators right at the heart of today's News Talk and our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. My name is James Freeman, and on today's Freeman Report, we'll be talking about a group of people in society that do some of the most important work for us all. Because without this group of people, there would be no food. I am, of course, talking about farmers and the fact that they are the new champions of the freedom movement across Europe and beyond. Now, I do have um, farmers in the family um, so I do know a little bit about some of the pressures that farmers are facing. Um, the cost of fertiliser, animal feed and energy has skyrocketed in the past few years, which is extremely difficult to manage in the best of times because there is no guaranteed price that farmers will get for their products come harvest time and when the livestock is ready to sell. Add to these price pressures exerted by um, supermarkets, uncertainty, from government around subsidies and the endless bureaucracy and you start to get a picture of what farmers are up against and if this wasn't enough we now have the globalists pushing their net zero green agenda which as far as i can make out involves producing less of the naturally grown healthy food that farmers produce and producing more factory produced foods you will eat the bugs is the phrase that we are all familiar with in the freedom movement. So farmers are in the sights of the globalists and now we find ourselves with some powerful allies in our ongoing fight. In the Netherlands, we saw farmers bring the country to a standstill early last year and also the farmer citizen movement winning the 2023 Dutch provincial elections in the country after the Dutch government announced that it wanted to put several thousand farms out of business. The farmers won the popular vote and received the most seats in all 12 provinces with the most number of seats of any party. Amazing. Let's be clear, farmers going into politics is one of the most exciting things to happen in European politics, in my opinion. Then later in the year, we saw Gert Wilders win the Dutch um, elections. Um, he's been a big supporter of the farmers, although we will need to wait and see what happens there, as there are some major issues with the coalition talks that are dragging on because of the migration issue and disagreements between potential coalition partners. More recently, we've seen the plucky French farmers dumping manure outside of government buildings across the country in protest at regulations and costs. And now we're seeing this spread to Germany, where farmers have brought the country to a standstill by blocking roads and cities with their tractors, with the help, I might add, of truckers and farmers from bordering countries. In Germany, the government wants to take away subsidies that farmers rely on, such as exemptions from road tax for farm vehicles that will make it impossible for many farms to stay afloat. So the specific issues that are facing farmers are slightly different by country, but the overarching theme is that they're all fighting government policies handed down from the globalists, which have one aim, to reduce the number of farms and reduce the number of farmers. 
Now, the great thing about this, in my opinion, is the fact that people are now awake to the globalist agenda. And so as they turn the screw, more and more groups in society are being pushed together to form a super freedom movement. A movement that includes those of us who came together because of the lockdowns and the jab mandates, those opposed to the gender ideology they're pushing, those who see through the climate net zero nonsense, and now the farmers. The more the globalists rush out their 2030 agenda plan, the more groups in society come together to say no. So I'm genuinely excited about the prospect of farmers uniting with us freedom fighters to create a force that is unstoppable. Um, the topic of today's show is therefore No Farmers, No Food, No Farms, No Food, which is a new campaign to push back against the globalists. To discuss this with me, I'll be joined by two guests today. Um, Gareth Wynne-Jones is a farmer from here in Wales in the UK. Um, he's on social media talking about some of the issues that British farmers are facing, and he's been very successful um, in making a lot of noise. Um, Gareth will be joined by James Melville, who's a commentator and pundit, who is also now part of the No Farmers, No Food campaign. As I've said, I'm eager to hear about this campaign, and I hope you are too, because if we unite with the farmers, we will become a super movement that will scare the bejesus out of our governments and globalist masters. If you want to get in touch about any of the topics on the show or maybe to suggest a guest, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, head over to tntradio.live and click on the chat icon. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Hello, Gemma. So it's Farming Thursday. How are you doing? Yeah, good. And you're so right. You know, the more and more people, the more different disparate uh, groups in society, they're all starting to have their realization that, you know, the system's against us. It's against all of us. And it will try anything to any area of, of life, of work, of business, of earning a living uh, to, to clamp down, to impose this massive global network of control. But the, the great, beauteous, wondrous thing is everyone is seeing through it. It's just fantastic. It's a very galvanizing moment in a human human evolution and consciousness, I think. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we have a voice as people. We have our feet. We can go to the middle of London on our feet and protest as we have in the past. Obviously, the mainstream media like to ignore us. But it becomes very, very difficult when you have farmers on your side, truckers, and um, people in society who've got big bits of kit um, that could be put in the middle of roads, blocking cities and bringing whole countries to a standstill. So I am genuinely excited about this. Um, the other thing uh, that I'm excited about is farmers going into politics um, and farming groups and people with farming interests, because I do think that they are highly regarded within society um, for the work that they do. And I, so I think there is a genuine um, sort of prospect of getting um, political success with the farmers. Well, yeah, I mean, that does remain to be seen. We're facing a general election this year here in the UK. So let's see what new political parties spring up, what new representatives and communities spring up. And of course, farmers generally have a very close relationship with people in their local community. Well, those are the people who go to the polls, aren't they? Your constituents. And that's what's been missing, I think, from politics. We've talked about elections so much 
Um, you know, you know my position on this. I haven't voted in a general election for God knows how long. I didn't vote on Brexit, which I know you played a key part in. Um, but locally, you've changed my mind. Locally is where it's at. And if somebody, and I know quite a few farmers in the West Country, you know, and if I was to see one of them stand up, I know, you know, and I know them and I've seen them at the farmers markets, would I give them my vote? Yeah, I reckon I would because it's it's changed on a local level. Now, Gemma, I understand why why you you stopped voting in general elections. And look, I'm I'm not suggesting that the political system has got the answers right now. I do think it is important to vote though, um, even if it's a protest vote, even if you spoil your ballot, um, because otherwise, like we've just seen here in Wales, only forty seven percent of the population turned out, which is a tiny number. So if t even if ten percent more had just turned out, it could have been a totally different election result. And what we saw here in Wales is in the manifesto of the Labour Party, they had this 20 mile an hour speed limit, which so they they had it in their manifesto. They brought it in after getting elected. And now, um, you know, um, hundreds of thousands of people in the country are absolutely tearing their hair out about it. But my message is, well, look, if you don't come out and vote and political parties are saying we're going to do this if we get in, um, then, you know, what... What answer have we got back if, if we didn't come out and vote in the first place? Yeah, but I mean, you know, for most people, James, you've got to be realistic. Political manifestos are not people, most people's bedtime reading. Maybe for people yeah. like you and I, you know, where we have to do it, we have to be aware of what the parties are saying and the campaigns and, you know, what they pledge to do and read between the lines of what they pledge to do. That's our job. But most people are so preoccupied with just trying to get by, aren't they? And just trying, especially at the moment in the UK with the cost of living, you know, who who is paying attention? Maybe this time will be different. Maybe people's yeah. people's perceptions have shifted enough that it will actually be different. Well, look, go to go to the um, the ballot station. It, you know, they're usually within five minutes um, of your house, and just write none of the above. Just scribble none of the above. Um, spoil your ballot because um, at least then you're 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 registering your protests um, at the political system. Um, it doesn't take you know it takes five minutes to do. I really do think it's important um, that we send a message to the politicians. You know, I don't think we're going to see an answer with this general election coming up. I really don't. I don't think the country's ready yet. But at some point, this is our system of government. We don't have another system of democracy and waiting in the wings to replace it. So we have to try and work with and and regain control um, over the political system, which has been captured um, by the globalists. Yeah. And I think I do agree with you. It's on a local level that can come first. And I think many people who've been researching yeah. Agenda 21 and Agenda 30 say that as well. Get into your local council on a local grassroots level. Get elected as a local representative because then you do have at least some casting votes on some issues and you have a voice. Um, and that's the start of it. Don't don't worry about the ones at the top of the food chain. They're, they're almost untouchable at the moment. But if you get in on a local level, you can affect change, and 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 I do agree with that. And I would, I would, I will start voting in local elections again, definitely, definitely. Yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, I think a couple of weeks back, I had a new political party on the show in Oxford. Um, they've got a real prospect there because obviously there's been a lot of public disquiet about, you know, the 15 minute city um, prospect there and the fact that they're dividing up the city. So yeah, I, I think that is the starting point. But we still also need to um, vote in elections. Anyway, Gemma. What story have you got for us today? Well, it's an update. <clears throat> it's an update as we speak. This is happening as we speak on the story that we talked about yesterday. Do you remember I talked about the uh, the man Valdo Calacane who uh, stabbed three people in Nottingham? 
last year and and two days ago he pleaded guilty in court to manslaughter by diminished responsibility when the families of the victims were absolutely adamant they wanted a murder trial Uh, but he pleaded guilty to manslaughter by diminished responsibility he had severe mental health problems at the time of the attack his lawyers his lawyers say he's diagnosed a paranoid schizophrenic and his family said that it was because of his lock his mental health deteriorated right on the first lockdown so we were talking about the real harms of lockdown he's due to be sentenced today and there's already a huge crowd gathering outside the crown court where the sentencing will take place uh, the judge is going to begin summing up at about half past 11 so just as i've come off air with you so we won't know the results of the sentencing um but it's interesting that this sentencing is coming on the day that the government is pushing through these new knife crime laws through the houses of commons today about these uh, so-called zombie knives i was just talking with rick munn on uh, locked and loaded about these zombie knives and the damage they do in society the knife that uh, valdo calacane was using was described as a, a double-edged uh, fighting knife. I'm not sure if it was one of these alleged zombie knives, um, but it just shows how all these problems in society are, are interlinked. We've got the, if his family are to be believed, uh, you know, the problems that lockdown caused in this young man's deteriorating mental health conditions. And he was known to police right the way through 2020, 21, 22, for assaulting a police officer, for trying to break into someone's house, all while he was suffering quite severe delusions apparently and the police are admitting now we didn't do enough to arrest this man to find this man he didn't turn up at court for an arrest warrant and then eventually he stabbed these three people tragically last year so you've got the theme of the harms that lockdown has done you've got the theme of knife crime in this country which is a huge huge issue knife crime figures are up five percent on 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 2022 that's the 2023 figures up five percent uh, and and you've got you know the the law the families are saying uh, of these three victims that this man killed last june they say no it should have been a murder trial they're they're alleging there was absolute evidence that it was predetermined premeditated and very calculating calculatingly thought out that's the families of the victims the families of the accused and, and the convicted defendant are saying no he's he was mentally ill for years it was lockdown that caused it and he needs to be put in a secure unit that's what the judge will decide uh, from 11 30 onwards uk time that's what the court will hear discussed but it's all these different themes of society being brought in what's the truth of the matter probably all of these things i would argue we have got an epidemic of knife crime lockdown did cause harms we have got mental health crisis in this country and of course the end result of all of these tragic themes is three people died in nottingham last june yeah, and it does go deeper than that as well, Gemma. Obviously, we had the coalition government come in, the Lib Dems and the Conservatives back in 2010. And one of the things they did, um, you know, in terms of cutting costs was cut a lot of youth services, um, you know, across the capital and other parts of the country. Um, and they cut back on a lot of community stuff. They also got rid of a load of police. Um, and then we've got the situation of the mayor of London, which thinks it's more important to um, to support drag queens and um, re- um, rainbow coloured um, road cross- crossings than he does knife crime um, and also putting up these cameras, which are thieving from the poor, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of political forces that have come together for this. But lockdowns, no doubt, um, have been a factor as well for all of the problems that we're seeing um, in the country. Um, in terms of sentencing, I'd be absolutely shocked if um, that the fact that even if it is accepted that lockdown had an effect, that that 
influence the sentence at all because actually it's not about rep, rep, um, retribution necessarily the sentence is about actually getting a dangerous person off the streets to protect the rest of us so um I'm pretty sure that we won't see um, a reduced sentence because of that. I hope not anyway. Um, but it'd be good to hear um, another update maybe tomorrow, Gemma, quickly on what happens with that. Right. OK, um, so we're going to move on now. Um, so we'll be back after this short break with James Memville and Gareth Wynne-Jones, who is a farmer here in Wales, to talk all about no farmers, no food, the new campaign. So stay with me, James Freeman on TNT. TNT's Mark Morano. This just in, we have a new way that's proven effective in dealing with climate protesters who deign to block highways, streets, and other public areas. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this appears to be the most effective way. We have a, uh, we have a field shot, a correspondent on the scene. Let's go to clip four and take a look at how to deal with climate protesters when they block your way on your morning commute. to see protests shut down but obviously when you're blocking traffic and you're doing that you need to be dealt with i thought this was a great vigilante way of dealing with it mark morano on today's news talk tnt the lights is britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies no that's what the bbc say the light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today you can subscribe, order copies, submit articles, and read back issues on our website, thelightpaper.co.uk, and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. They've launched a new service called Wake Up Your Neighbours, where you can get copies delivered to the streets right around you if you don't want to do it yourself. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. Thelightpaper.co.uk The human mind is like a computer. No matter how efficient it may be, its reliability is only as great as the information fed into it. That's a campaign promise! Tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. We mandate that the truth be told. You're hearing it. TNT. Right, okay. Like I said, I've been really looking forward to um, this show today. I do have farmers in the family, so I do understand um, some of the issues um, that they're facing. But I, I am genuinely excited about this No Farmers, No Food campaign. Um, it, is, it offers a prospect, as far as I'm concerned, of a super movement um, to join up with us freedom fighters who came together for the lockdowns and the jab mandates. Um, and that prospect, I think, is absolutely frightening, shockingly frightening to our governments and the globalists. So I'm actually delighted to welcome um, Gareth Wynne-Jones and James Melville to the Freeman Report. Hello, guys. Hi. Hi. What are that? Fantastic. Um, well, first of all, um, Gareth, um, as I said to you, I've been following you on social media for a while. I love the stuff that you're doing, talking about the issues faced by British farmers. Um, I wonder if you just give a quick introduction to yourself. What kind of farming do you do? And maybe just talk very briefly um, about some of the, the the priorities for you at the moment in terms of the pressures you're facing. Yeah, so um, we're predominantly a hill farm um, on the foothills of Erari on the Karanedai mountain range. My family's been on this farm for 375 years. Big believer in seasonality, you know, local food production and healthy lifestyles. We keep beef, 
sheep i've got chickens turkeys keep a couple of pigs um i'm as self-sufficient as possible the next job will be having a little brewery or distillery up here then i won't have to worry about anything um but, <laughs> but you know my, my my beliefs is the truth is that so many people have lost connection with farming and food production you know governments and supermarkets have kept us away from the public they don't want interconnection they don't want people understanding what it takes to produce food and cheap food comes at a cost cheap food will come at a cost sometimes to the environment to the animal and to the farmer so i try to be honest we're not perfect by a long way but what we are doing is feeding the world you know sustainably and affordably at this moment and i believe we have to be careful that the powers to be take that away from us we are people of the land you know we work hard to produce this food so you know my push on social media is that is to educate people is to bring people on and um i think in the last two years you know i'm up to nearly two million followers on my youtube channel i think i'm the most followed farmer in the world at the moment um facebook is absolutely flying i've just had a TikTok ban this morning as well so um i'm waiting for waiting for another ban on social media hey ho it is what it is they'll try and silence you if you tell the truth but you know i'm, I'm a believer in uh, open discussion as well getting you know the conversation going we're never going to agree with everybody but there's too many people sitting on fences there's too many people following the flock you know instead of just looking outside the box and asking questions that we should have done quite a few years ago if we look across the world what's happening it is an absolute mess from germany to france you know it's happened in the netherlands and it's all started with the farmers so please take a look at sri lanka please take a look at what happened in canada all these things are relevant today going forward like I said, Gareth, I'm genuinely excited about the prospect of fathers joining. You've got your own milk there as well. Fantastic. Um, Gareth, quickly, before we go over to James, just for a quick introduction, um, how long has your farm been, your family been um, farming for? And also, if you could just make a comment on the average age of farmers, um, is that going up or down in the UK at the moment? Uh, it's just about 375 years that our family has been uh, working this land on the same uh, farm. I think the average age last time I looked was about 68 and it could be even up to 73 by now. Um, so it, it's scary. And and that's not just farmers. If you look at, you know, traditional butchers as well, they're, they're pushing on them kind of numbers as well. We're losing our skill set because the supermarkets and the government and the multi-corporations are taking the power away from the people. Um, I believe that we need to wake up, smell the coffee and have a farming food revolution building a bit better Britain on our bellies. <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. James, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just, you've been on the Freeman Report before, of course, but just a quick introduction from you. And I guess um, we'll talk about the the actual campaign after the break, but if you could kind of just give a, a quick um, introduction to yourself and tell us how you got involved um, with this campaign. Yeah, I mean, I'm a businessman as well. I have my own consultancy across communications and also commercial sponsorship. But I've developed a bit of a media profile and I have um, about 450,000 followers on Twitter um, where I largely talk about social commentary and also politics. There's a number of campaigns that are dear to my heart, and one of them being farming. Um, I come from farming heritage. The family farm 
was around for about 100 years, um, three different generations, but my father had to sell large components of that because of a number of different reasons, in particular debt and a lack of support from local authorities and government, even going right back into the 90s and the, eight, the 80s and the 90s. Um, I've seen, I grew up with it, the pressures that he faced, and I'm surrounded in Cornwall and also when I go back to Scotland by farming communities. So I felt that it was time to, you know, push this a little bit further rather than just putting out, you know, some statements of intent about what's happening in the farming industry. I wanted to go further and actually create something that brings together not just our farmers, but the circular economy of farmers, wider businesses and rural communities to find a home, a haven whereby we can shape certain campaigns um, and hold government's feet to the fire. I think at the heart of what's been happening over the last three or four years um, can be sort of pinpointed on what's happening to farmers because it affects so many different areas. It's not just about the farmers are facing restrictions and a threat to their livelihoods. It ties in other aspects of the debate, such as government restrictions, loss of freedoms, the net zero agenda, the cost of living crisis, energy and fuel prices. And I think fundamentally farmers can be a focal point like they are in Europe at the moment because they'll get a lot of public support because people relate to them because ultimately... Without the food from farmers, society crumbles. It is the foundations and bedrock of our society. And I'm all in on this particular campaign. And since we've developed over the last two or three days, we're getting overwhelming support. It's only at the start and it will grow, but it's something that people can relate to. But ultimately, it's about supporting our farmers and putting significant pressure in many different areas on our government to do something about this should have been done before yeah exactly i mean this has been building i think for for decades in terms of the problems farmers face and of course now we've got the globalists coming in with all of their um, agenda as well the other thing i might add as well as well as farmers um, being very respected i think in society um having a lot of public support they've also got big bits of kit as well like like the truckers have so you know when we do want to mobilize like we've seen in germany and france and other places around the world uh, we can have a real impact uh, on governments. And I think, to be quite frank, they're absolutely um, shitting themselves about the farmers all uniting across Europe. Right, guys, we're going to take a quick break for the news headlines. And when we come back, Gareth, I'd like to start off the conversation by just hearing some of these um, pressures that farmers are under. You know, I know the price of fertilizer, energy, um, you know, um, uh, livestock feed and all these things have absolutely skyrocketed. Then you've got all the bureaucracy. So we'll talk a little bit about that and then we'll move into the actual campaign itself. Um, so stay with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. The conversation continues. You guys are awful positive today for what we're witnessing. It's that division that they want to push. Now, TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. Tensions over border security are threatening to explode in the US as red state governors start mobilising support behind the state of Texas. UN Chief Antonio Guterres has hit out at Israel, calling its rejection of a two-state solution unacceptable. And Hungary has announced it's ready to ratify Sweden's NATO membership. It comes after Turkish lawmakers voted to approve the country's accession on Tuesday. 
globalist agendas, democratic rights at risk, corruption, propaganda. It never stops. For the news and views silenced by the mainstream media, by government and corporations, vote one. TNT Radio. Free speech always has a home here. Stay up to date with the latest live news and current affairs delivered by our lineup of expert commentators and hosts. Listen to TNT Radio anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk. This is TNT Radio. Right, now, Gareth, um, you won't be able to see it um, where you sat now, but we've got a, a, a live chat um people all across the world listening in and actually engaging with the show and we've got somebody called um wild heather and i think this just kind of you know it's one of these things that most people aren't aware of but she says do you know that grain movements require a passport um of course you know you'll know better than anyone how how much bureaucracy is around farming these days give us an idea of that and also some of the other pressures i think i've talked about some of the price pressures that british farmers and um farmers around the world that are facing at the moment yeah do you know i'm, I'm going to start with a, a very controversial topic because I think this is a really important topic as well, um, is TB. Um, TB is a massive problem in Wales. Um, you know, I've got friends now at the end of their tether thinking of going out of their business. And, it, you know, we know, we know it's carried by wildlife. Um, and we've been trying to drum this. You know, we've seen the culls in England and the numbers reducing. And it doesn't just help the you know, the cattle, it brings back the hedgehogs, it brings back the bumblebees, it it brings back ground nesting birds. These are the policies, and when I'm going with this, James, these are the policies that are causing these problems. So when you bring a policy into an industry that has been running something for generations, you know, and keeping the numbers and the balance down, people don't want to hear it. People don't want to see the honest problems that we have in countryside because everything is a book you know it's a Beatrice Pocter and you know fantastic Mr Fox and the you know Mr Badger but you know if we don't control these populations we have an overpopulation then we have major problems so that's something that needs to be addressed and needs to be addressed quickly we're devolved in Wales with the agricultural bill at this moment in time now 10% they're asking for 10% of Welsh farms to be planted to trees. Now, I have not got a problem with planting any tree anywhere, but when you put draconian laws like this onto an industry that, you know, some farms are going to be on a seafront where them them trees will be planted and they will just die. I would much rather them concentrate on hedges and edges the right tree in the right place, working with government, you know, to find solutions. Yet we need to look at local food systems. We look, we need to look at seasonality. We can't keep shipping tomatoes and peppers, you know, from Spain that are polluting under thousands and thousands of acres of greenhouses so we can bring cheap food into this country. We need to start addressing these problems. We need to start to put pressure on government. We need to start putting pressure on supermarkets because supermarkets have got a stranglehold on a lot of farmers and people are frightened to stand up. You know, milk used as a lost leader, milk being cheaper than water. What sense does that make? You know, some people are producing this wonderful, wholesome, whole food 
for less than production. You know, they're losing money, hemorrhaging money. You know, the, these are things that general public wouldn't have an idea about. Not, I'm not saying everybody. You know, if you start looking into it and start to ask questions when you go into the supermarket, is the farmer having a fair price? Why is, you know, that um, milk at that such a low price? Two for the price of one. And when you get two for the price of one, don't think that supermarket's going to be losing. You know, it's going to be at the farmer's gate. So there's there's a massive circular problem, and it all starts at the top with government. And if they want to make a difference, government should be st starting with procuring everything British, you know, into our jails, into our hospitals, into our MOD, into our, you know, old people's home, everything that is government owned should be British, you know, they should be buying it, feeding it to our people. But no, they will offset that, they will ship it in because they want to take this small island and they want to lose the people that are, you know, building this fantastic country that we've got and we need to protect it. Another massive problem, solar panels, solar farms, wind farms, and I'm not against this, okay? But if you are going to put a solar farm somewhere, put it on an industrial unit. We've got millions and thousands of acres of industrial units across the UK, okay? Why are we using prime land, prime land that could be used to produce food to put solar panels? It doesn't make any sense to me. When we've got that, you know, land on top of industrial units, on people's houses you know it, it's just it's just crazy gareth um you sound like you'd be a really good politician i think one with integrity um i know your passion no, that, is in farming that, that's what that's one thing i think i couldn't be because <laughs> I, I i speak too much truth and i don't i don't sit on fences that that's why i'm not a part of any political party and i think you know yeah. We are so lacking in real proper politicians. They're all professional yes-sayers, you know, they all toe the line. Nobody's willing to stand up and be an individual and be honest to the people that they represent. That's why this country yeah. is in such a shit show. Oh, excuse my French. Absolutely. Um, bullseye, I think, there, Gareth. Um, James. Um, before we talk about the campaign itself and how people support it, what it is, what it's planning to do, I wonder if you could just give us an update. I know you talk about all this all the time on X. Just what is actually going on around the world, the different um, protests and the different issues farmers are facing. Yeah, I call it a blue collar rising, blue collar spring. I think it was triggered actually going back a little bit by the Canadian truckers. Um, the Canadian truckers were a great visual visualization. Uh, because of the vehicles themselves. Um, there was a lot of footage, a lot of great commentary, and I put a lot of pressure on the Canadian government. And all they were doing was effectively standing up for their own medical autonomy uh, and freedoms. And they were punished for it by the Canadian government in an appalling way. Then it became the Dutch farmers, now the German farmers, French farmers, Romanian, um, farmers even in Scotland um, in Italy, this blue collar rising is happening all over the world. And the reason it's happening is a number of aspects. Firstly, bad government policy and neglect. You know, the root branch of our society 
is our blue-collar workers. Somehow down the line over the last 30 or 40 years, possibly because of deindustrialization, we seem to have forgotten that. Countries that prosper are the countries that actually make things, produce their own, export, but also provide their own citizens. And farming's at the heart of that. Gareth's right. From a UK point of view, there should be a buy British campaign in terms of produce. There should be more opportunities, for instance, to take back the high streets that are dying with all the empty shops and allowing uh, the opportunity uh, for farm markets and greengrocers to open and vacant properties that aren't used. There should be better uh, government policy and less restrictions on things like net zero and not punishing the farmers with all kinds of stealth taxes. And then there's a cost of living crisis with fuel and energy. They put all those things together and that's why there's a rise in the farmers, not just the farmers, the truckers and most blue collar workers have been completely forgotten about by governments. Not just forgotten about though, they've been damaged, they've been undermined. It is absolutely ridiculous, last point, absolutely ridiculous that, for instance, farmers are going to cut down nitrogen use and fertilizers, which therefore reduces their yields and their livelihoods. And mm -hmm. farmers are now doing something about it, and they need public support. Because one thing I know about politics is when there's public support for something, then the politicians listen because they're worried about losing their seats unless they support it. Exactly. And like I said, I am genuinely excited about the prospect now of the fact that you know, the farmers are waking up, not just to, you know, this is a decades long problem of all the subsidies and all the other problems governments are putting on farmers, but they're actually waking up to this globalist agenda, the organizations like the WEF um, and some of the UN's policies as well. So we're going to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk all about how we actually support farmers and this new campaign that you've got, which I think is going to be incredibly important. So stick with me, James Freeman on TNT Radio. My name's Stacy, I'm 57, and I was adopted in 2020. We were adopted in 2019. And we were adopted in 2021. We had a house, um, and it sounds crazy, but it wasn't a home. The one thing that Jake and Emma brought is it became a home. When I met Dakota, he had just turned 14. You weren't there for the first this and the first that. I missed the first words, but we got a lot of other firsts. I'm watching her say, oh my God, I cannot believe I got my license. And she's like, I passed. And I'm like, girl. <laughs> See them grow. It is. They chose to love us. They didn't have to. They chose us. Family. You and you. Kids in the middle. What I thought was a complete life was nowhere near complete. <laughs> but it is now. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today. This is The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right now, um, James, um, so we've heard some of the problems that farmers are facing. We've also heard about this top-down globalist threat to farms and farmers. Tell us about this campaign now. 
Well, the campaign is to coordinate across, first of all, the farming industry, not just the farmers, but also businesses connected and rural communities, and also fishing, for instance, as well. It ties in so many different components of the circular economy to give them almost a collective home. And while we're not going to solve every single problem, our objective is just to raise issues of all we talked about in terms of the massive pressures that farmers are facing on many different levels, such as net zero restriction, cost of living crisis of energy and fuel, bad government policy, you know, the restricted payments that governments are doing in the UK with DEFRA. Um, there's all kinds of issues. But it's also to raise public awareness. You know, it's not just about suddenly the food, voila, arrives on the table. It's about the process that farmers are going through to get to that point, the hardships that they're facing, the restrictions that they're facing. You know, this is one of our core primary industries. We should be celebrating farmers like almost no other industry. And it's to create a mass movement that's putting together the farming industry, but also bring on public support. You know, we will also be holding government and politicians' feet to the fire and trying to nudge politicians to change policy. But we will also be bringing out some of the core issues. We've, you know, we've only been going a few days and we've already got a lot of support and coordination with farmers and connected businesses around the country. I was involved in a call with many of them last night. It was a real eye-opener, the, the diversification of issues. You know, every farmer's got different problems, but some problem, these problems are universal. And most of them, as Gareth touched on, come back to bad government policy. So it's basically to, to, to fight against the agendas on a government point of view, both local and national, but also call out some of the NGO agendas as well. You know, we're in a terrible situation um, at the moment with a lot of the farmers, and we just need to raise public awareness. Yeah, Gareth, um, if I can get you to talk about the campaign, but also to start off, to kick off um, with, um, how aware do you think UK farmers are about this globalist agenda? Obviously, we're seeing farmers in Germany and France and elsewhere. They, I think they, they've woken up in large part, not just to the problems which they, you know all farmers know they face, but actually to the fact that this is a top-down threat coming from some global organisations like the WEF. How aware would you say that British farmers are aware of that? And then if you can tell me sort of your um, hopes for this campaign. I'm going to start with this quote because I think this quote is really important. Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Okay? And if you really think about that, that's what government has been doing for a long time worldwide. It's putting pressure onto farmers and the industry. I think a lot of the British farmers know what's going to happen, what's happening in Europe. You know, we're not seeing it on mainstream media. We know we're not seeing it in a lot of the social media as it should be. But there's some great people out there. You know, Eva's one of them. She is pushing that, um, you know, that story. And, and we need these journalists that have got the balls to go out there and share these stories because this should be in the public eye. If we don't address this problem, and as I'll go back to this now, we will be sleepwalking into food shortages. Because, you know, there's not a tap that you open on agriculture. It doesn't open and close. These are, you know, I'll be carving now in the next month. They, them calves, um, won't be ready for the beef industry for 28 months, okay? Same with my lambs, I'll be lambing in April. They won't be ready till November. 
You know, the crops that have been sown over the winter have had an awful year, awful year with the rain and the weather. And I don't see anybody, you know, within the government regime saying, oh, we need to do this for the farmer. You know, they, they're writing up their new policies without even mentioning the farmers. And, and I don't want to be like, um, you know, Mr. Important, but, you know, I've said this before, and there's the saying goes, you know, you're going to need an accountant maybe once or twice a year, a dentist the same, you know, a doctor, a policeman, but you're going to need a farmer three times every single day. And that's a fact. And if people don't understand, you know, we're in a global economy, and if something happens like Ukraine, and then there's shortage of grain or sunflower oil, whatever it is, and we're on this little island with a growing population. If we don't watch after the farmers, we are definitely going to go hungry. It's a no-brainer. So I think every policy right at the top, right at the top of that tree, it should be a food security policy, and it should be backing British agriculture, making sure that everything that government are procuring is, you know, grown in Britain, produced in Britain. And, and then, if you think about this, that creates more of a circular economy. The money stays here. Every time we're shipping things into our supermarkets or across the border, that money is then being let out. It's being hemorrhaged from these local economies and from these local places. So, you know, if, I, if I'm selling um, my lamb, to the local butcher down here, the local butchers in the pub having a pint, you know, my daughter goes for piano lessons. The, all that thing, it circulates within our economy and we have to watch after that. I really believe that we need to be looking at seasonal food as well, you know, and traditional foods and be more proud of it because I think if we build a better Britain on our bellies, we will, set, we will save millions in the future for the NHS. Because the children in this country have obesity problems, they have, you know, mental health issues, diabetes. This is all to do with the sugar and the junk that they're putting in their bodies. You know, go back to basics, start making your own food, start growing a little bit of your own food. You don't need a farm, you can have a tub, you can have, you know, a few little pots in your garden, a little greenhouse. Teach your children, you know, about seasonality. And, you know, I, I love to hunt fish. My freezer's full of deer. It's full of pheasants, partridge, wood pigeon, you know, and my own animals. I grow all my own veg. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I'm telling you, I'm 56. I'm healthy as hell. And I believe it's all to do with what you're eating. So let's get that message out there. Building a better Britain on our bellies. And do not bite the hand that feeds you. Hey, I tell you what, Gareth, I'm coming to yours after the show today. If you've got beer and lots of um, probably trout, is it, in your, in your freezer? Sounds Everything. great to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're absolutely right, Gareth. Um, we know when I was growing up, I think um, before the supermarkets had the stranglehold that they've got today, um, British consumers, they did um, change what they ate around the year. So we had certain dishes that we, you know, we would um, make in the winter and other dishes we'd make in the summer. And that has disappeared um, with um, the um, advent of supermarkets. Um, James, you follow the globalist narrative, don't you? Um, you'll know, like me, that 
there, there are certain players. Um, Bill Gates is one of them, obviously. Um, they have got their own plan, haven't they, in terms of what they think we should be eating, particularly in terms of protein. Talk about that a little bit. And of course, this is we're talking about highly processed, more highly processed um, factory food. Yeah, I mean, Dr. Vandana Shiva has been excellent on this. And she's been calling out the multi-corporations and Bill Gates, their asset grab of farms and also seed patents and manufacturing for quite some time. What we're seeing is enormous pressure put on farmers, especially small and medium-sized farmers, with a set of restrictions to effectively put them under pressure to give up their land for an enormous asset grab. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is happening. Farmers are going out of business or governments are trying to coerce them and say, well, give up your farm and we'll pay you off. Or unless you adhere to our rules, terms and conditions on lowering your nitrogen or your emissions, then you're going to be punished and we'll steal your land or shut you down. That's happening in the Netherlands. And what's the alternative on that? You come in with uh, multi-corporations. You end up with mass production solar panels in Nottinghamshire, 7,000 acres being earmarked to replace prime agricultural land with solar panels. How is that sustainable? Yeah. The solar panels tend to last for about 20 years and end up in landfills anyway. A farm will last for generations. And it's, so it ties in so many different debates and it starts at the top, not just with government, but also with NGOs. You know, they're pushing this agenda to squeeze farmers and I think with many of these things over the last few years, they're framing around a giant virtue contract. Most people, you know, they will adhere to certain things, but increasingly a lot of people are seeing through this because we need to take care of the primary sources of our economy, which farming is one, rather than get it in the hands of multinationals for their own greed. You know, the cost of living crisis, or whether it's COVID or the strain on farmers of net zero, one thing that ties them all together as well, most people are suffering, with the, uh, largely because of these rules and restrictions. And yet, on the other hand, we're seeing the biggest transfer of wealth to the super rich in the history of the planet. So what we're going to do is, is campaign in a way that people can effectively join the DOS, support our farmers, stand up against these multi-corporations who are doing it not for virtue, they're doing it for greed and instead support our local farmers, where possible bypass the supermarkets, go direct to source to the farmer or um, a town farm market or a local greengrocer and take out the corporations as much as possible. We can all do our bit. I know it's easier if you live in the country to go to a farm shop, but there's always ways and means of doing it. So part of what we're going to be doing is raising awareness on that as well. But there is, as Gareth touched on, a lot of other aspects that tie into this debate. It's not just from an environmental point of view, but also from a nutritional point of view in health and fitness. But we're at a point whereby we've got to remind ourselves about old school environmentalism. Old school environmentalists, as, farmer, as farmers ultimately, custodians of the land, they understand the environment better than most. And the systems of ecosystems, rotational farming, organic farming, that is where we need to show support, certainly not the measure shown by government and technocrats. 
Exactly, James. And actually, that was where I was going to go next um, with you, Gareth, is, um, you know, I've had people on this show um, um, that we've talked about the climate issue and, you know, all of the nonsense around that. You've got the supermarkets, which are kind of virtue signaling, saying, look, we're protecting the planet, we're saving the planet by putting in these, you know, um, uh, electricity um, charges and things like that in their car parts. Well, at the same time, they're supporting um, mass um, industrial farming on the, the likes of the rivers near here with chicken farms. Um, now, so I think one of the, the messages coming from the globalist is that this is all about the environment. We're trying to save the environment, which I think is an absolute load of nonsense. But we have, I guess, one of the things we need, do need to do is stand up and say that there are problems with some kind of farming, aren't there? Um, what are your views on this? Because I think it's important that we talk about this. Um, like I said, the chicken farming, um, you know, on the Ross and Y um, River near me, um, the root, the river there has been poisoned. It's because the supermarkets are funding, you know, millions and millions of birds. It's inappropriate having that many birds along the river there. Um, so first of all, if you could just talk about that issue and also what you think the model should be um, so that we get this right balance, we can produce lots of good food, but also make sure that it is sustainable as well and environmental. Yeah, I'm going to disagree a little bit about the chickens, to be honest with you. I did, I did a talk down in Hereford um, with a bunch of farmers and I looked at some of the setups and there wasn't any, any of their chicken poop going into that water. Um, let's look at what our water companies are doing, how much sewage, if you know, ask for the freedom of information and you'll see how much sewage that they're pumping into our rivers and into our sea every single day. And, you know, these companies are making millions. I'm not saying we're perfect with the chicken side of things, but look, I think we need to have a look at it. I think maybe the problem would be sometimes, you know, with carrying the, the chicken manure onto um, some fields on a wet day, that could leach into the river. So there is ways and means we look at it, but the systems I've seen, you know, to be totally honest, are bob on. They are fantastic and they have to jump through so many hoops or they will not get, you know, their licenses. Personally, you know, I think we need to look at regenerative agriculture. Um, I, I'm working now with Edwards Agriculture down in Hereford, um, which have been using seaweed, seaweed as a fertilizer, as a natural fertilizer since the 1970s. I tried it this year. You know, we have to learn, we have to look at what we've got. Now you look at a fantastic product like seaweed, Okay, so they grow it up in Scotland. James will love this. They grow it up in Scotland on big ropes. Okay, so they plant the little seeds. That seaweed grows. But as that's growing, it's sequencing so much carbon, so much carbon. It's one of the best carbon stores you can have. It's then harvested with a boat that lifts the rope up, chops off, and then that's processed into a liquid fertilizer, which you spray on your field. I did it this year, last year, sorry, and unbelievable. I put it on my tomatoes and it was like something unreal. My wife was going ballistic. <laughs> but, but you know, we need to look at what our forefathers did. Look back to go forward. Sorry, mate. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, fantastic. I, I was just going to say, sadly, we have, we're in the last minute now. And I do want to make sure you get time to tell people where they go to support this campaign. Can they give money? Where do they go and get information? Are there going to be any protests? James, quickly. Yeah, um, so far, we've only just started and it's overwhelming response. 
but it's uh, no farmers, no foods on uh, X, Twitter, whatever you call it today. There'll be other social media platforms set up in the next couple of weeks. We're currently um, at the early stages of developing a website. Um, and then what we we'll want to do is grow. Uh, we will grow from asking for um, some donations. But all the money that's raised for this will go back into supporting farmers, supporting our campaign, and to spread the word and raise public awareness. Fantastic. James Melville and Gareth Wynne-Jones, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be going and um, donating some money, guys, and I encourage everybody watching to do the same. Thank you, guys, and make sure you stick right here with us on TNT. Mm -hmm.